Well, we come to Mark chapter 4 today in the kingdom parables. I'm going to read verses 1 through 20 of Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. In terms of the preparation this week, I sometimes don't know where it's going to take me when I start. So it turned out that this is going to be more of an introductory message to the parables. And then next week I will go through exegetically each verse uh, next week in terms of that. And um, I think there's some very interesting things to note here concerning the parables that I think will be important for us to see and acknowledge and see what's going on within this this edition of Mark's view of the parables. Verse 1, chapter 4, the holy infallible word of God. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and he sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since It had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But to those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then shall you understand all parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path, where the word is sown when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones who are sown on rocky ground. 
the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, It is very interesting in the manner in which Christ presents the gospel in parable. He speaks about the mystery and the secret of the kingdom now becoming known. What we ask this morning is that we, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, would understand its meaning, its truthfulness, and its good news for us in Christ. In Christ's name, amen. If Jesus' preaching of the kingdom of God is such good news, why is it not embraced? By everyone. Those of us who have embraced the good news and have come to understand the rich treasures of the fellowship with Christ, enjoying reconciliation with our Creator and the communion with the Holy Spirit, have a difficult time understanding life without the benefits of Christ's redemption. This does not mean that the believer in Christ no longer struggles with the gift of sanctifying grace in one's everyday journey in life. It does not mean that life is absent of various challenges regarding daily happiness, trust in others, anxious moments, sleepless nights, depression, intense physical ailments. Although these challenges are not removed from the Christian, we have the comfort that Christ, through the Spirit, is never leaving any of us. We continue to live the pilgrim life as the effects of the fall are still around us and in us. 
Nevertheless, with the knowledge and mind of Christ Jesus within us, we have the assurance and we have the security that Satan is bound and defeated through Christ's death and resurrection. Yes, for those who embrace Christ by faith, it is extremely sad to see those who proudly live the delusional life of arrogance, living a life that destroys themselves and others. Why? Why? The church cries out, why? The gospel of good news is there to rescue them from their world of pursuing the pit of self-gratification and self-destruction. Well, in Mark's gospel, we are about to enter another dimension of how humans will respond to the gospel of good news. In fact, Mark has informed us already on a number of occasions that Jesus preached and taught the gospel. But we have not yet had a discourse in Mark's narrative of the exact content, the exact content of his preaching and teaching. In Mark's gospel... There are only two occasions that he presents extensive discourses of Jesus' preaching. The first one is the kingdom parables, as they is outlined before you here in chapter 4, verses 1 through 34 which basically appears in the middle of the first section of his gospel. And the second time is the Aleph Aleph, uh, discourse, in which in the middle of the last section of his gospel, of Christ making his way to the cross. That is in chapter 13, verses 3 through 37. So as we come to Mark's first major discourse of Jesus' preaching of the good news of the kingdom of God, how does Jesus deliver his message? It is through parable. It is through parable. The first prolonged narrative of preaching of Jesus comes in the form of a parable. Indeed, a parable usually contains the literary devices of a simile or a metaphor that can appeal to the listener's own imagination. As Jesus points out, This literary device keeps the truth of his preaching in the realm of mystery and secret 
unless the Lord himself opens, opens the listener's understanding to the hidden meaning of a simile or a metaphor. Verses 10 through 20. Even more important to Jesus' parables is his distinctive feature. He usually puts them in the context of a story. You want to note that very carefully concerning how he teaches parables in parable, in the context of a story. Because this distinctive trait is important in contrast to the ancient world. Parables were found in ancient literature, but they were fictitious fictitious stories. They were fables that usually teach moral and civil virtue. Often those pagan fables centered on animals and tried to convey an animal's particular character being applied to moral or civil life. For example, strength would resemble a lion. Weakness would resemble a lamb. Animals hardly play a role in the parables of Jesus in the New Testament. Rather, a lot of the parables are taken from agriculture. In fact, as we see here in Mark, he leads with Jesus' parable of the sower. But before I get into the parable per se, that's next Lord's Day, let us look at the basis for Jesus' use of agriculture in the context of a parable. All of us have most likely heard common definitions of Jesus' use of parables. They are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Also, it is commonly remarked with respect to preaching that Jesus uses simple common day illustrations to convey the relevance of the gospel for everybody. Let me begin with the second notion first. Jesus does not use simple, everyday illustrations to be relevant to the culture around him. In fact, you can only make that comment or come to that conclusion if you remove, if you remove verses 10 through 20 out of Scripture as well as from the lips of Jesus Christ. To truly understand what the parables mean, the mystery or secrecy of its meaning must be unveiled and revealed to the listener by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the listener will never understand its complex message and parabolic form. 
Now let's return to the first notion. They are earthly stories with heavenly meaning. Although there is a small element of truth in that statement, this idea does not begin to penetrate that what Jesus is bringing together in choosing the use of parable as a means to communicate his gospel. First, do we understand how radical the coming of Jesus is into his creation? Also, how radical is the coming of the kingdom of God and the gospel upon the plane of creation? Congregation, do you underestimate in your own life how incredibly significant is the coming of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in God's providential plan of redemptive revelation? I'm pointing you back to Mark's opening Chapter 1, verse 1. We are seated here this morning in the delightful comfort of Christ's triumphant grace, which we truly appreciate. But our hearts can be so content that we fail to reflect and meditate upon how transformational Christ's entrance as well as his kingdom upon the landscape of the creation and the personal lives of his people play a part. We are truly satisfied, are we not? We are truly grateful that we are saved by Christ. But maneuvering our personal lives and living within our corrupt culture really captivates more of our attention. Think about it. Think about it. Outside of our own vocations, am I correct in assuming that many of us spend more time in our day reflecting upon the social, cultural, and political aspects of life than contemplating upon the advent, the impact of Jesus in and his kingdom in history. We could all answer that question to ourselves. Well, this is not the mentality of Mark as he presents the good news in Christ. Jesus is preaching in the literary genre of parable has major importance about the entrance of Jesus, the Christ, into the creation. Jesus' use of agriculture 
placing it in the context of a story narrative. A sower went out to sow. A sower went out to sow. Has earnest meaning and intention. Simple question. See if you can answer it. Who created the earth? God. What was man's relationship with the earth, with the ground, after the fall into sin? What does God tell Adam? He says to him, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Genesis 3, 17 and 18. Even in this fallen state, God graciously provides a portion of the earth, the land, to become a precious possession for the people of God. We know what that is, do we not? We know it as Canaan in the Old Testament. But what is Canaan in the Old Testament? I don't think I have to tell this church that Canaan was always a pointer towards heaven. Towards heaven. In light of God's covenantal promise with respect to the land and the earth to Israel, it is not, it is not a coincidence that the first prolonged message of good news of the kingdom of God in Mark's gospel will be a parabolic story about the ground. About the earth. About agriculture. And not about animals and about a moral fable. The entrance of the long-expected Messiah and his kingdom will bring two parallel levels of creation into one organic story. The spiritual and the natural will come together in the parabolic story. When God created the universe... There were natural and spiritual aspects in terms of that which he wrapped the creation into. On the one hand, there is the garden, the natural agriculture. And on the other hand, there is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there is the tree of life, the spiritual See, agriculture encompassed the spiritual redemption. The original creation, the original garden, 
is a spiritual environment in natural surroundings. Let that register. The original garden is a spiritual environment in natural surroundings. Since the true triune God of the Bible is the creator, we must understand that the spiritual is infiltrating the natural creation. And please note, it is God's supremacy, the spiritual injecting his presence into the natural as the sovereign creator. For this reason, the natural things reflect as in a mirror supernatural things. Hence, Jesus does not invent parabolic illustrations. Did you hear that? Jesus does not invent parabolic illustrations. For example, the parable of the sower. Rather, Jesus owns, owns the creation. Jesus owns the illustration as the creator, the Christ, the Son of God. Are you grasping what is going on here? Jesus is operating on a totally different level and direction than the popular notion that begins with the human personal illustration that attempts to comprehend a heavenly meaning in the parable. Earthly stories with heavenly meaning. Congregation the supernatural spiritual aspect of the kingdom of God and its true and final messenger, the Christ, is invading, is invading the natural world with spiritual meaning. What was laid hidden since the beginning of the creation, since the beginning of the earth, truly damaged by the fall of humanity into sin, is now being fused into the creation by a new and most powerful spiritual injection and transformation. The creation, the natural, has never witnessed before the gospel message of good news by the present reality of the Son of God, the Messiah. What an incredible event in the history of redemption and revelation. Is your heart and is your life truly, truly grasping this? When you read the parables, you must understand that the spiritual is shaping the natural 
in that order. You must read the spiritual shaping the natural in that order. The spiritual interprets the natural. The spiritual gives meaning to the natural. Let's make this point more personal. Thanks, Pastor Bill. It's getting a little bit abstract right now. Let's make it a little bit more personal. Make it a little bit more relevant to me. You may be surprised about what makes the personal nature of the parables. So let's make the parables more personal. They are about the person of Jesus. They are about the person of Jesus. The parables are about the person of Jesus' good news. The parables are about the person of Jesus' kingdom. Why can't we be obsessed with Jesus? Why can't we? Why can't we understand that the personal, our personal lives are locked into Jesus? Always. It's always about him. So where does your person fit into this? As you listen to Jesus preach in the form of a parable, you want to begin and participate in union with Jesus' supernatural person. His eternal message of good news, of daily repentance and faith, and that you are a member of his kingdom, specifically his visible church. You see, you must start with the heavenly reality of Jesus and his kingdom to understand the earthly reality of the natural world. Heaven shapes Canaan. The heavenly garden shapes Eden. The heavenly city of Jerusalem shapes the earthly Jerusalem. Mount Zion shapes Mount Sinai. Jesus already understands the spiritual reality and meaning of every parable. 
he is going to deliver as he uses the, the, the literary device of a parabolic, natural story to convey its truth. The parables are infallible supernatural revelation of redemption and judgment delivered by our messianic all-wise preacher, Jesus the Christ, as the final kingdom has dawned. As wonderful as it is for many of us as families to encourage our children to enter the marvelous literary devices of simile, metaphor, and allegory in its symbolic and figurative forms in the likes of the genius of John Bunyan, C.S. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien, we must not forget that their splendid writings do not begin with the supernatural revelation of Christ himself. They are fallible narratives from fallible minds attempting to convey Christian truth by tremendously gifted human minds. In contrast, the coming of Christ and his kingdom is an earth-shaking and profound redemptive historical event that the entire history of the universe has never witnessed before. Nothing in terms of Jesus in the gospel can hold a candle candle to it since the fall all the way to his second coming. Not even Elon Musk buying Twitter. Indeed, the crowd, everyone, needs to listen See the first word of the parable? 4-3. Listen. Jesus' attention-grabbing word, listen, is the equivalent of the word opening the Hebrew Shema, which I read on purpose for the call of worship this morning from Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel. You really, really need to hear. You really, really now need to listen. To listen. And you'd better listen with ears that hear, as he says at the end of the parable. 
Because we are in the final era of redemption and judgment. Congregation, the stakes are now higher than the Shema. You, do you love the good news found in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? And do you love him and the triune God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Are you living the will of Jesus' preached word? Will the gospel content of the parables be taught diligently Did you hear the Shema this morning? Be taught diligently to your children when you talk to them in your home, when you are walking with them, when they lie down to sleep and rise up to live another day with the Son of Righteousness, S-U-N from Malachi, Jesus. Jesus has come. Will God's will and the word of Jesus be the works of their hands, the center of all that their mind will think and see, and the means of communion and fellowship within your home? Is your home or in your home will everything spiritual and natural be interpreted and understood within the domain of Jesus' ownership? Oh, congregation, the covenant is so, so precious. It is so unique in our Reformed tradition. Do all you can. To raise your children in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to keep our children by God's grace. There is the great practical instruction of your home in the Shema. But the stakes are now more important than ever because the gospel, Christ, has come. Has come. Yes, 
live in the gospel of God found in Jesus. We must have ears that hear right now in the history of God's word to us. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are thankful for the message of the gospel in parabolic form. We ask that the mystery would be fully revealed unto us. And that the gospel that is found in Christ would be central in our homes and in the heart of those who live in our homes. We ask your grace. We ask, O Lord, for your help. For it is all of grace And it is gift. Help us to submit to your word and its faithfulness. In Christ's name, amen.